We are Cavan Podcast. Because Cavan's not just a place, it's a people. Hello and welcome to the McAvoy Super Value GEA Podcast on wearecavan.com. I'm Damien Donoghue. Uh, delighted to be joined in studio by Paul Fitzpatrick. We're going to be discussing all things GA, uh, focusing mainly on the Cavan Tyrone game. Uh, we're delighted to be joined with a jam packed show here this afternoon where we've got a columnist with the Anglo Celt, Michael Hannon. He'll be coming in to look back over the Cavan game. I don't know if he's got a chance to see it back on TV, but I'm sure he'll be full of information. Paul, what is it we call him? Or you call him? Nutty Professor. The Nutty Professor. We'll also be joined by uh, a professor of sorts, Eddie Halligan. Uh, he's going to be coming in and t- discussing the, uh, the, I suppose, the psychological impact of a draw on maybe the, vi- the underdogs or the, um, the favourites in a, in a situation. So that'll be very, very interesting. And we'll also be looking at the Cavan ladies. We have an interview with Connor Barry, the Cavan ladies manager, coming up as well after their uh, massive victory over Donegal in the semi-final. So we'll uh, start off, I suppose, Paul. It's uh, Friday morning here, mid-morning, and news has just come that uh, British have, the British have decided to leave the European zone. So that puts an end to going across the border for a game of football. Now we're going to have to be strip-searched at uh, Derlin. <laughs> I don't know if we'll be strip-searched. Maybe you should be. <laughs> Look, it's, it'll be two, two years down the line anyway, but it's, it's scary, scary times, you have to say. I went to bed last night and... Oh, was well in the world, and Farage was as as good as uh, conceding defeat and the whole thing. I woke up this morning, I was amazed to look at Twitter and and see the, see what has just happened. So look at it, it's it's uh, it's going to have a if it all comes to, to pass and it's a doomsday scenario, like it's going to have a massive impact on on us as as GA fans would say in the border counties because we're over over and back across the border every month covering games and you know will it, will it affect where the, the Ulster Council fix games if it's going to be tough for large numbers of people in transit does that mean Cavan or Clonus is going to lose out on matches if it's if it's featuring we'll say um, Monaghan and, and Fermanagh or sorry Donegal and Monaghan as we're going to see this week is it well, okay, there'd be no, well, there would be border crossing there because the Donegal people would have to cross generally to, to come through unless they went way out of the way to go down to Sligo and round so like it's logistically you know, it's a lot of unintended consequences. But it is going to have a serious effect. I know that the reason that the Ulster Council originally fixed Clonus as the, the home of the, of the Ulster final w- was tax reasons. Basically, in the north, they have to pay VAT on all of the ticket sales, whereas in the south, they don't, because in the north, they get government funding. So like, it, there is going to be implications there. You've, you've Caseman Park now. Does, does it go ahead? Does the GA as a as their base in the southern in Dublin decide they're going to put money into a gamble at this point because as you say for the next two years there's uncertainty yeah well I think it is laid out that, that the home of the of the GA and Ulster is going to be Caseman Park I think that's that's set in stone like the traders and clones aren't happy about it but I think but that does is that, set does in stone th- would this not change it slightly well, I, I don't see why it'll change it because it's going to be you're going to be if you're talking about um, the majority are, are then going to have to cross the border because you have six counties going to have to cross. But you only ever have two counties in a in an Ulster final. So, you know, right, okay, the chances are better for them to be within the six. But, well, recent history would say that it's not. But Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But I think another reason why Clonus developed was because it was a massive uh, railway hub as well. It used to be one of the biggest railway stations in, in the country. It was yeah. a big connector for, for the whole north and northeast and the south. So 
Um, I think that was another reason why Clonus became a big venue of, for football matches back in the day as well. Yeah, yeah, well, it was, but the, the fact of them having Ulster finals outside of the the six counties was tax purposes. Clonus was logistically perfect for it, but that's why that's why I'm just wondering. I I, I think it'll it'll have more implications than we actually realise unless uh, unless things are unless there is an open agreement and there are there's a an invisible border as as there currently lies, you know, because. Yeah, I think what you'll see is possibly that real hard left in Labour in the UK. Um, there's going to be a swing towards them as long as they don't lose their voters to to the to the far right because that's that's vulnerable at the minute. But if they can if they can get their their house in order and get in and try and make some sort of alterations to it, they're going to need some sort of a, a trade agreement and a free movement agreement with the Republic of Ireland for a start. But you've also got look, we're getting way off topic. Yeah, GA yeah, podcast, yeah. but you've also got the likes of Gibraltar there, where you've got. Um, a load of a load of it's basically a little uh, English sovereign state, British sovereign state, stuck in on a rock just off the coast of Spain with twenty four thousand British citizens on it. But the, already but the, the Spanish, there's talk that the Spanish are going to look for dual sovereignty of it. So it's it's the, the, the important thing though is Gibraltar have a shit G A team. They're they're no good at football. Oh well, you know maybe it'll improve the thing. In that it could do. It definitely could do. Uh, I suppose now, as you've, we 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 did get off topic, but it is something interesting. Maybe we we look at uh, doing a podcast on it next week because there are going to be implications to the GEA and to us as a border county going up and down freely for GEA matches. There's potentially going to be implications, so we might look at doing a podcast on that. But within the county, there's going to be implications because if you look at some of the clubs in the west of the county, like for example, Corla or or Shanigales, you're going to go through the north to get to those to those um, clubs a lot of time. I know if I if I was in Red Hills and I was going to to Black Lion, you're going definitely to, obviously going to go through the north, or you're going yeah. to be w- going way out of your way. So you've you've all that as well. Like, but look, it's a long way in the future. But I mean, it's it's scary. Yeah, it definitely is. Definitely is. But next up, we have Michael Hannon, columnist with the Anglo Celt, to discuss Cavan's draw with Tyrone. Looks like Tyrone's game now. They've controlled it for long periods. As I said earlier, they failed to put Calvin away, but Matty McLean's goal apparently has done that, and they're just coasting it now. Really entertaining game. Calvin came close to getting the goal they played, but it wasn't close enough. Tyrone, Division 2 League Champions for the first time. They've beaten Calvin. They've beaten Calvin. They've beaten Calvin. The wrong options, high ball into Mickey Graham, would have been totally outfielded in the full back line. Even the last free for Peter Riley there was a great fetch in the, in the square from the throne cornerback. It substitute that come on, sends that ball over the bar and increases the Tyrone lead to three points. Tyrone lead 16 points to two goals and seven. Calvin need a goal, Mickey. Yeah, we need a goal, Damien, that's just it. So it's now a Calvin kick out, one down on the far side of the field by Jerry Smith, gives it to Martin Riley. Back to Jerry Smith, he's got speed to go wide players, decides he's going to turn back inside, plays a cross field ball down towards Kieran Brady. Kieran Brady's got Rory Dunn, Rory Dunn's got Key and Mackey, put it over the bar, Mackey. It's a good chance, maybe half a chance for Kieran Brady. High in the square, David Gemby! Yeah! Oh, got to David Gemby high! A rose higher than all than their own defenders! Has cleared the holler, put the ball in for David Gemby to rise up on that. And now it's a draw game here. We've got 36 minutes on the clock, Damien. Four additional minutes being put up on the board, we've been told. Four additional minutes, three left to go, and it's a draw game. 
So, Michael, delighted to have you here on the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast. As usual, it's uh, I suppose you have to look back over the weekend with delight that we got the draw. Maybe disappointment slightly with the level of performance. Uh, definitely. Tyrone probably ticked more boxes on the day than Cavan did so yeah I mean you'd have to say you're delighted to get the draw disappointed with the performance uh, yes and no like Cavan had to do something different and I suppose they, they went to the game and they tried something different than what they'd done in the, the league final or in the first round of the league as well so I mean when you're doing something different there's always kind of that little bit of you know unknown about how the performance is going to match up with it but uh you know, I, I I was, you know, pleased enough with the way they performed, considering what what they were trying to do on the day. You know, yeah, it's a, uh, it's and we've said it a hundred times, I think, on the podcast. The goals win games, and had we said last week, Cavan will score three goals but won't win the game, you'd have you'd have laughed out of the studio here. Yeah, you probably wouldn't have envisaged Cavan having as many. Um, kicking as much ball as they kicked and losing, you know, turning over as much possession as they did when when they were attacking. So if if they had scored those goals and played anyway like they played in the Division Two final, then they would have won the game. But uh, you know, the three goals and still to draw with, with Tyrone. I mean, I think that's the third time Tyrone have done that under Mickey Hart. Conceded three goals and they they haven't lost any of those games over the over the years in Championship football. So. Um, it says a lot about Throne. Like Throne, Throne still played well. You know, they were very methodical and just kept on doing what they were doing and just kept on. I think I think Mickey only once in the course of the game did they go more than six minutes without a score, which is between the forty and fifty minute fiftieth minutes. Whereas Cavan did all their bar the goals, Cavan did all their scoring in two seven minute bursts, yeah. which kind of says it all. I I I think and maybe Eddie will talk about this later on that Cavan showed the signs of a team that didn't really believe they could do the job and didn't have confidence in themselves because they'd, they'd get up, they'd get a score, surge of confidence, get one or two more and then retreat again back into their shells. Are there similarities to, and I heard somebody else making this point, Ireland against Sweden, Ireland playing all the football, you know, get the goal and then retreat, oh God, we're, we're in front now, what are we going to do? Like where the similarities in Cavan... That fear, fear of winning. When, when we got to three points in front, with was it 12 minutes to go, that we couldn't hold it? I, I don't think it was a fear of winning. I think if, even if you look at the way they, they set up with James McEnroe coming back into the team, it, there was a, and if you go back to the to the league final, there was a fear there. Cavan conceded one goal against Throne that day, but they could have conceded maybe three or four. And when you go back and look at the Armagh match, Armagh didn't score a goal against Cavan in the championship, but they, they, could, have. they could have scored, you know... Uh, at least two. Yeah, they, they settled They settled for a, a point one time when, when another pass would have been true for a goal. Missed the penalty. Missed the penalty. So, I think there was this thing that, okay, we're just, whatever happens, we're, we're not going to concede goals. And the, that's why it wasn't necessarily that they were afraid of winning. <laughs> I definitely don't think they were afraid of winning. I think it was just a case of what they had prioritised was that they weren't going to concede any goals and that they were going to be a lot stronger defensively which you have to hand it to them. They were a lot stronger defensively. But, um, you know, they they needed the goal set. You're saying they were a lot stronger defensively than Tyrone? Then, no, than they had been. Than they had been, yeah. True. Previously, you know. True, yeah. Like to, for, an, to an extent, but bear in mind that, that Tyrone missed a lot and also Tyrone, missed, missed... Tyrone are a good team. Tyrone are going to... The way Tyrone play now, they, they, they will convert an awful lot of their attacks into shots. But it sounds stupid to say this, but Tyrone had the best goal chance of the game that would ordinarily be scored. 
yeah. a one-on-one. You know, Cavan had, had Near three the sort of half chances. And Tyrone also, I still can't believe that there's not more focus on Sloden's miss at the end. It was absolutely inexplicable. Mm. Like, that was such an easy chance. In space, in front of the post, and he, he absolutely bottled it, really. He f- I think he had four shots on the day, and he scored one point. They mo- and he was playing. He was playing centre forward near the end. There, he yeah. They moved him. They moved him from centre back. Yeah. At at half time or definitely shortly into the second half. But it was. Uh, it we're, we're we're analysing Cavan obviously being we are Cavan. But are there parts of Tyrone you talk about the fear of winning? They had their chances to win the game. McNulty, if he had to put the ball over the bar instead of going for the goal chance, it was a four pointer. Had Sludden put the ball over the bar, an easy scoring position. Darren McCurry scored a 45 and then missed the one that was crucial. There's a, maybe there's a fear of winning there too. Yes, I think you've hit, you've hit on something there, Damien. I think there is a vulnerability about this Tyrone team that we haven't seen on the really great Tyrone teams. If you look back through their results, of their last 24 matches, their, their record is 1-13, drawn 6, lost 5. So that's six, six draws in 24 matches is an incredible record. That's six games where they, they didn't get the job done. You know, maybe they might have came from behind like Cavendish and some of them, but that is not a really a, re- a CV that, that you'd look at and go, "This is all Iron Champions awaiting." People are saying that Tyrone are the only team that can that can stop Dublin. I, I can't understand this. I, I, a good friend of mine who's a good judge says, "I think Tyrone are going to get to the All Ireland final." I was like, "What are you basing the, this on?" Like, the, their last. If you go back to March um, 2014. The well, fit, the th- that's a, that's there's been a March 2014. Pr- like you can disregard with this drone. This drone team took took over a transform. They they transformed last year in the qualifiers. They were a very different outfit. They played Meath and they played Tipperary, and something clicked in that Tipperary game in the qualifiers. And since then, they've been a different team. So you you, well, I, you, you I, can disregard all those games prior to, to Tipperary. Okay, let's do that. Let's play devil's advocate and disregard all those. Yeah. Take out the Monaghan win, and how. Last year, and how does their does their form um, vary from Cavan's? In the league this year, we every team we beat every team they beat in the league this year, bar Derry, and but every team we did beat, we beat by more. We beat by more convincingly than Tyrone did it. Tyrone people, good judges are saying Tyrone for the All Ireland final, and a lot of people are saying the, the, where it's Cavan the go it's to. the Kerry game. It's the fact that they surprised people last year when they played Kerry. I, I I think that there's been serious revisionism about that game. I they lost that game, eighteen scores to twelve. People were saying it was, it was a cast iron penalty. I didn't think it was a cast iron penalty at the time. They, they lost the game by four points. They didn't lose it by a point. They didn't lose it. They weren't two points up at the mm-hmm. last minute goal. They were beaten soundly that day by a Kerry team who weren't all that. And who went out. The All-Ireland final, I think, were shown to be very much a second hand. They, ha- they were hammered by three points in the All-Ireland final. They were. They were hammered by three points. You're dead right. And then mm-hmm. the league final this year proves how far Dublin are ahead of Kerry. Yeah, I can't... I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, Mickey. I can't understand this this hype about Tyrone. They're 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 soft. <laughs> oh, look, I, I I yeah, I agree with you, but I'm telling you where, where it's coming from. It's coming from the fact that in that carry match, they 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 might have whatever was it three? What, what did they lose by three points? Four points? They lost four. Uh, they lost eighteen points to one eleven. One eleven. Okay, they lost by four points, but they uh, when they had they had it down to three points, and they had a couple of goal chances that they should have put yeah. away, and that's what's sticking in people's minds now. They had a goal chance of they that they should have put away. Yeah. And they didn't, so there, there could be something there. But it, w- when people came away from that game, they went, well, Kerry's an old team and Toronto are a young team. So they're obviously thinking that the graphs of both sides are going are going in different directions. So if Kerry and Dublin are in the in the top two and 
the natural thing would be to see the Tyrone graph on the way up and the Kerry thing on the way down. Who else is there but Tyrone to, yeah, to match? I, I, so I that's, you can see, you that's can see where the logic, relationship it is. It speaks to the positivity of, the, of challengers in the thing. We talked about this before. That the, I think it's more a sign of the, that the field is in general weaker than, than normal at the minute. That's why Tyrone. It's possible. Tyrone's CV of, of winning 13 games out of 24. Going back two years, they've, their last six games against what are recognised as the top eight, top six, seven, eight teams, bar the Monaghan game, they've lost them all. Yeah, but it's also. Sorry, they, it's also they haven't won any of them. I, Sorry, think, I, think of I think you've actually hit the nail on the head there. It, it's the weakening field. Like, if you look at it and everybody's saying, well, who are the top four? People look for the top four or the top three or the top two. In, the, in any particular league, in any particular sport, they're looking and saying Dublin's there, Kerry's more than likely there, they were clutching at straws, hoping Mayo would still be there, Saturday night proved that they're not, or that they, they're they capable of dipping. So that's where Tyrone are, are getting in. It, as you say, it's the fact that they're looking at Monaghan can't do it in Crow Park, Donegal seem to be on, on the down, so somebody has to fill that void, Cork are gone from it, Kildare or nowhere, like any of the teams that were traditionally there in the last decade. Absolutely, it's it's Ab- Tyrone filling that well, well, place. This on to, to the next question: If if ter- if the field is weak, and if Tyrone are all that, and there are new teams since the Tip game last year, whatever it was, that means Cavan are right there. I'm not saying Cavan are in top three, but that means Cavan are surely top, top six, four, five. top five, six. Yeah. They have to be because our our form, Barry Monaghan game last year, our form almost almost parallels theirs. They've beaten us on the head to heads. By two points, based by five points, and then we drew. Like they're not that far ahead of us. If they're if they're all Ireland contenders, surely we're at least semi finalists. Pressure on, Mike. Not pressure on me. You're creating a lot of pressure for Cavan footballers right now. No, um, I like people are. I, I don't know if they're uh, thrown or all Ireland contenders. The, the problem is, it's not that the weak field is weak. It's the fact that Dublin are so bloody strong. So, is there any team that's an All Ireland contender outside of Dublin at the moment? You know, yeah. okay, if if Mona, if sorry, Mayo have, have fallen and Kerry possibly are fallen as well, then you'd have to say no. So it's not that Toronto are All Ireland contender. If you get to a final, are you a contender? You know, you'd have to say. You'd yeah. imagine you'd be saying yes, but if you're playing Dublin, in it, then you might be saying no. Yeah. So. You know, like to me, what what there is is Dublin have pulled away. Everyone else has come back a little bit, and you you, you have maybe eight teams there now. Like the Division One, like it's really Dublin and, and another seven teams. That's what you're going to have next year. Uh, yeah, what, it is. It it, it it is. It's 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 a valid point. But I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this podcast rolling over if we don't mind because I want to discuss a couple of things. Terry Hyland, very, very brave move, putting Killian Clark a curveball. None of us seen that coming. The ball didn't stick, and it didn't look like Killian was doing well, but it, it did throw off Tyrone, didn't it? Yeah, no, it was very, very... Like, Killian... Uh, when Killian first started playing football and was coming up through the ranks of Sherlock, he would have played a lot of his football inside in the full forward line. Yeah. I remember the first time I, I, I played against him, he, he was playing corner forward and kind of looking, going, God, who's that guy? He's a real good footballer. And by the next time I saw him, he was playing full-back with the county minors. So like he and and on it's happened to a lot of people where they got stuck in full back and they ended up playing a lot of football there afterwards. But like Killian can play anywhere in the field, so it, it was a, it was a good move. I, I could see as soon as it happened, you could see the 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 thinking behind it, and then let him drift out a little bit. Now it did did unsettle Throne absolutely. Uh, a lot of ball went in very quickly. Cavan had something like four or five attacks inside the first four or five minutes. Nearly all of it was going towards Killian, not not to David Givney. 
and uh, if the conditions had been a bit better, the ball would have stuck. And True. So, like, if you're talking about a replay, it's well worth maybe giving that, that, that another go from a throw-up. Cavan won both throw-ups, both balls were, were, were sent in. It would be interesting if it was a dry day the next day, just to see how Killian would do if he got another 10 minutes inside. Now, having said that, Throne handled it quite well. Like, once Killian started going out the pitch, I would have expected to have seen more from Killian Clark going forward. Uh, when, once he got out around the centre forward and midfield positions, then then we actually saw from him. So it 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 kind of it worked in one way in that it unnerved them and it it left them a little kind of it, it was you know it true it true to our balance yeah, definitely they, but we didn't reap the rewards no no and maybe there's an element of having showed your hand now a little bit for the replay M- maybe not like do something different like I I'm sure if Kenny and Clark played. Um, played uh, wing back for example and had to pick up uh, McShane McShane uh, I know the whole half forward line drone half forward line got substituted the last day but McShane still had something like 20 or 21 possessions he was the third highest on the throne team he got 3-4 shots off I've seen him before with under 21s this year and we played them he got whatever it was 12 mm-hmm. shots off I think scored 5 or 6 points like he's still a very important player for them you put Killian Clark on, on a guy like that and suddenly he spends his whole time trying to track Killian Clark he wouldn't, you know, he's a good athlete, but he wouldn't match uh, Clark's athleticism. And it, it could just be another little thing. You made an interesting suggestion, suggestion to me the other evening on a text, Mickey, about where you might cite Garoge, coming from totally left field. Well, I made two suggestions today. I? I said, play, just play him somewhere completely different. Play him, uh, I said, play him either wing forward or wing back. And and, and let, let him bomb forward. And in fact, I think, like, Garoge touched the ball uh, 13 times the last day so um, Matty Donnelly touched the 31 wow. so y- y- you have to y- like Garoud is should be Cavan's most important player like Donnelly we know the way he's pulling strings and he's touching balls and he's linking up moves he's getting here and there Garoud could be doing the same thing for Cavan not just bursting on at the end of scores but he, should, he could be you know if he got the ball and went with it from, from, from deeper it, it could be causing a lot of trouble I I just think there's there's something there. Do something different with him. Play him play him where you could still hit him with kickouts if you needed to. Like he he was nearly like Galligan done brilliant with the kickouts, but he he couldn't ever hit Garoud when he when he looked out or if he did try to hit him, thrown the two guys on him. Because if they would have studied Cavan over the the league, they would have seen that the ball goes to Garoud. Garoud playing floating around midfield, centre forward. Ball goes to Garoud. Cavan win it, Cavan get a score. And that was very much a pattern of Cavan's play throughout the National League. And they could not hit Garoud with those kickouts. So that took away a lot of Cavan's scoring potential. They only scored 3 7, t- 10 scores. Like, that's as low as, as they've done all year. And a lot of it was because they used to get the, they were getting these easy scores from their own kickouts when, when Galligan was going long. In fact, I think he only really managed to go long once to grow. It went over his head. I think Shawnee Johnson nearly picked the ball up at the right. forward line. Yeah. So it just it was attacked when he when when Raymond Gallagher was on the goals and he looked out. He just couldn't see that option because Tyrone were adamant this is not going to happen. And it was one of the things that didn't really get picked up on. And you, you probably unless you'd seen Cavan play all throughout the year, you mightn't really have have noticed it. But it was completely absent from the from the game the last day. So it could just be worth worth the while putting Garoud somewhere slightly different and letting him drift into a place where they might still be able to do that or or if he's going to take a lot of heat and have two players on him then they could maybe throw Michael Argue on which again he didn't play at all the last day but he could nearly replicate what Garoud done in the league by being on the other side of the field just two guys over on Garoud like it should be you know 
it should be a, a slam dunk. A slam dunk if it goes to argue, argue for him to do the same thing. And in, one, in one particular instance, it really made a hero out of Colin Cavanagh because he, he made that absolutely awesome catch with massive hang time. But McCrory was just holding Garroge down like at the time he was impeding him. And Cavanagh jumped up and he used his foot on, on Garroge. Garroge apparently had, had stud marks the whole way down the side after the game. And uh, but the real listen, Australian we, rules catch. I was just going to say that we see Nicholas Walsh perfecting that when he brought it back from Australia ten years ago, or maybe a wee bit longer. That he was. Uh, it, it, it's a beautiful skill. <laughs> it's still, yeah. regardless of stud marks, it's still a great thing to watch. In fairness, yeah. just moving on slightly. Uh, we, we, talking about you said Tyrone. Uh, getting rid of taking off Colin McShane taking off the whole half forward line and it wasn't necessarily that these boys are performing poorly we'll take them off it seemed to be listen we're going to empty this bench at from the 45th maybe to 50th minute like they had I think three substitutions or four substitutions on before we met were the Cavan bench management a wee bit slow in introducing fresh legs um Possibly, yeah. I, I think I, I, I heard that being thrown at them that, that they they were a bit slow. But I mean, I I would have liked to seen someone like Jerry Smith get on a little bit earlier. I um, I think there's a lot of like for like players there in that panel, and uh, you know they do run out of like the the way the game is being played. People were running out of legs. Yeah, it, it was obvious the Cavan boys were running out of legs after Cavan, and it's kind of hard. Some it's like standing on the on on the on the shore trying to see the moment when the tide turns. Like Cavan hit those four points in a row in in the second half, and the legs were gone after that point. It seemed like they they just started dropping. Yeah, and Tyrone got six in a row straight after. And it's you're kind of waiting there, going, "Well, we've just scored four points. Should we change anything? We should keep it going. We sh- we shouldn't do a thing here. Things are going well, but then things ju- it, it just changes ever so slightly, and all of a sudden you re- you suddenly realise, oh, we should have made a few. You know, we should have made changes maybe five yeah, ten yeah. minutes ago. So yeah, it's it's it's, too late. it's a very hard a hard thing to get right, but you know. Physiologically speaking, there, there comes a point where they've run so many kilometers, and and they're not the speed at which they're running has dropped, and it it, it you know you should be throwing on the fresh legs at at that moment in time. It's just a case of picking who for who and and can getting I, it right. Can I throw something at you? Then is is it not then considering the standards? I think I seen in the back of Tyrone's or or, or on their tops, they were wearing the the GPS, GPS vest. Yeah. So they have they have the technology or they have the ability to say well. Colm Cavanagh or whoever, Colm McShane has hit his 10 kilometres now. He's done his 10 kilometres. Time to get in fresh legs. And they have that in real time, if I'm correct. Well, you can get in real time, depending on, on the company that you're working with. Yeah. yeah. So, look. Which is a huge advantage. Surely, after we hit the four points in a row, had, had we that advantage of those GPS uh, vests with, with lo- real time uh, results coming in to say such a person will. They'll hit their 10k and they're, that's that's them at exhaustion, regardless of the scoreboard, regardless of the time. Time to get those substitutions on. Yeah, it's 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 not just the the distance; it's the high intensity distance that that, that they'll be looking at. But is is an advantage? Yeah, like Tron have been using those things for for years. Cavan seniors haven't been using them, but Tron have been using them. And at this stage, they have loads of normative data built up, and they know what their players are capable of, and they know. Uh, you know, okay, he's run his race, or he, you know, he's got more in him, or who, who to take and yeah. who not to take. So, I, look, I don't know the machinations of the strong sideline and if they're using them in real time or not. But, like, it, it, it it's still the same thing anyway. It uh, come fifty minutes or so, uh, forty five, fifty minutes, 
legs are going to be gone by, by some guys, especially the half forward and half back line, the way the game is being played. The middle eight. Yeah. So so those guys are and you know, they're expected to get back and expected to get forward at high intensity. And when the high intensity leaves then you know, okay, it doesn't matter if they're getting up. If they're not getting up at high intensity, then they're not going to be getting the scores at the end of the move. So. Yeah, very true. Uh, just very, very briefly, Paul, the, the the referee, I know the comment was made that he gave 2-1 to one freeze to Tyrone against uh, against Cavan. Yeah, I think it was 24-13. 24-13. And his point, actually, speaking to us after, was... Well, it was foul count, but there, there were some crucial decisions that went uh, went against Cavan. Two come to mind: Killian Clark's sideline ball and Kean Mackey's fist over the I can't think of the defender who it was, but over his head trying to get the return and was blocked. And they both ended up in scores, if I'm if I'm correct. So yeah, yeah. the I crucial decisions did, was there slight advantage. I, I'm not making the case that there was bias, but. Did the, did the lucky decisions, did the crucial decisions fall to Tyrone? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, actually, I might have got that start wrong. I think it was 27-12. Last year against Monaghan, it was 34-17. You know, we're getting half the freeze the other teams are. Although, I have to say, I watched back the Monaghan game last year. I thought he got a lot of the calls right. Mm. There was a lot of sloppy tackling by Cavan, but I, I do think we're not getting the rubber of the green. And I thought that would change, because referees read into the, the general narrative that's going in the media and we were the black death last year and that's why Cavan weren't getting freeze and I thought this year there's more positive comment about Cavan and that might seep in a little bit as well but when you're the underdog you don't get it because refs know that if they have to make a big call it's easier to go with the underdog than, than make a big call and uh, or sorry go with the favourite than make a big yeah. call and put a favourite out and it's a massive story if, a, if, yeah, a, if yeah. an underdog gets knocked out it's not as big of a story and I don't think it's a conscious thing but it's a subconscious thing yeah, yeah, definitely. Looking, looking at the game as well, Mickey, Cavan, you'd imagine have more room for improvement. The big players, Killian Clark, Grod McKiernan, Shawnee Johnson, didn't have their usual big performances in them. No, and even from a yeah, oh, for, first of all, a number of big players didn't play well. So you'd imagine if if they could find a higher gear. Now you got to understand too, like Tyrone would have looked and said, "These are the guys we have to stop." So yeah. they would have they would have talked about that and strategies for it and would have had guys out specifically to, st- to curb their, their play. Cavan would have done the same thing, saying, well, you know, we have to stop Ron O'Neill, we have to start Peter Hart, we have to start Maddie Donnie. And they didn't do that to the same to the same level. Um, so, you know, you'd imagine that... It, and I, I have this thing, this about this Cavan team and Strone, every time they're playing them, they're learning more about, first of all, themselves, what they're capable of, and secondly, Tyrone, how to, how to stop them. And... I think like that bodes well. Like it's one thing to to play a team and draw with them, but if you're not going away and really kind of studying what happened and learning, then the next day you're going out, you're you're you're, you're, no you're, you're at a disadvantage. So I I do think I'm looking at Cavan and every time they play Tyrone, I think they're learning and they're coming with something different every time, and I think that bodes really really well. That the the, the management team, the backroom staff are, are kind of they are doing their job here to the best that they mm. can, trying to see how can we get over, how can we solve this problem. So. Yeah, like Cavan definitely have more, more like they were way more wasteful. I think uh, something like seventy five percent of Tyrone's attacks ended up in shots. shots in in yeah. with Cavan, it was closer to sixty percent. Tyrone had more attacks than Cavan, just about. But you know, if you're not taking shots, you're not scoring. So, like from that point of view, Cavan will have to look at the tape and see not just about the individuals who, who couldn't get away, but also about the team. Where were they falling down? Where could they have created more scores? Uh, more shots 
to to get those scores that they needed. But like, okay, there were the two two frees that could have gone the other way that that Tyrone got scores from. But there were a couple of other things like um, Raymond Gallagher caught a ball in, in the first half and he fist passed it out to Conor Miner, who then tried to fist pass it to Niall Murray, and it, it was a simple simple turnover. Yeah, poor hand pass and ball over the bar. That that was one point. Second half. Um, a ball was given to Fergal Flanagan. He was he, he like he he didn't need to receive the ball. He was about to get swallowed up. Uh, Cavan player under no pressure. He gave the ball to Fergal Flanagan. Again, three or four Tyrone players came on top of him. All they needed to do was hold on to the ball. At Fer- Fergal, continue his run another ten meters. He would have been out of the traffic and then played the pass, which could have happened. Instead, the ball got turned over. Came down the pitch and Matthew Donnelly got a score. And again, it's just those two simple decisions where you're kind of like going. Neither of those passes need to be given at that stage. And it resulted in two, two, two points. You know, yeah. there's no pressure on the player. So that's four points that you're looking at there straight away. There yeah, on the other side, on the debit side, like Tyrone had a had a shot which came off an upright crossbar and out. Like I, I think on the balance of play, Tyrone probably deserved to win it. Like oh, they did absolutely. That's why we're saying Cavan would be delighted to have come away with the, with, with the victory. But but my my thing is, they are like whoever beats Tyrone this year is going to have earned it. But you're going to have to have really, really studied what they do in order to beat beat, beat them because they are so system driven, and they're very first of all very good at what they do, and they're really, really system driven. You really, really need to. Yeah, I've played them a couple of times. I feel it's it's a bit like Donegal a few years ago. You needed to have played them before you were ever going to beat them, and I think that was shown up with nearly all those teams when when Donegal first came through. Nobody beat them until they played them, and once they played them, the good teams then went about beating them. The next day they played them. And I think there's an element about that with Toronto. And Cavan are lucky that they've played them, uh, played them in the league twice now, and and the championship that they, this is going to be their fourth time to play them. I, I think that they're really lucky. That aura isn't with them. The Cavan players don't have that aura about this Toronto team. They're they're playing them all the time, and they're kind of saying, oh, they're you know, there'll be respect there, hundred percent respect. What they're doing is very good, but I do feel that they're just chipping away at the armor, and that they're getting closer and closer to to, to finding ways of beating them. Like if they 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 had variety in their game the last day, but they didn't have balance. Like they they tried the thing with Givney inside, and it, it caused a bit of uh, you know it it, it caused a, a bit of trouble in the drone defence. Colm Kavanagh, for instance, was extremely busy inside the first five minutes sweeping up ball. So when Martin Riley picked up that ball on, on the on the sideline, he'd breeze past him because Colm Kavanagh couldn't move his legs because he was after running non-stop mm. for four and a half minutes. He he looked like he was in quicksand, and Martin Riley looked like he was Usain Bolt going past him. So like, you know, you know, there's all these th- like, and so that goal, having peppered the full back line with the ball, that goal, you know, was that chance was created because of the effect it had on Colin Kavanagh. Colin Kavanagh's role was to step up when someone came bursting through. He stepped up and sure he couldn't move his legs. Martin Riley breezed past him. Kavanagh got the goal. Then we had Fergal Flanagan's point a little while after that, where Colin Kavanagh then was expecting the ball to be kicked in on the full back line. So he's hanging close to him, waiting for this ball to come in. Instead, it gets fisted over. Fergal comes one one solo, taps it over the bar. You can see Kavanagh running out too late. So there's this element of 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 cat and mouse there going on. They they yeah. created enough sort of um, you know confusion in the mind of Colin Kavanagh, which is saying something because if yeah, there was yeah. one player that knew his role leading into that game, it was it was Colin Kavanagh. And everyone talking about him as a revelation and and you know one of the greatest now around in the country because he has mastered this sweeper role. Exactly. So 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 like. Uh, I, I think like that that was promising. The Colin Cavanaugh will be going in and this week of training he'll be saying, Well what if they 
will I just hang close, Mickey? What if they keep kicking ball and you know, or what if should I step up a bit more? Or will they kick the ball and won't they kick the ball? And yeah. There'll be all that going through his head between now and, and and the replay. So, like, it's it's still advantage Tyrone here, right? They know what they're doing better. While Cavan are trying to come up with a new game plan every time they play them. So it, it's still Tron. Tron aren't going to change a thing. They're going to target the few Cavan players they know they have to target and they're going to play to their system. Pr- they, we'll take a very quick commercial break but after the break we will be discussing what Tyrone will need to change to counteract Cavan's attack. Check out We Are Cavan football podcast in association with McAvoy Super Value Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one toward the price of branded labels. McAvoy Supervalue, Virginia. Supporting local. Brady's Arva Limited, main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles, have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. Welcome back to the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast. Uh, we were just discussing Tyrone Cavan in the Ulster semi-final and Michael, you were making the point that Tyrone won't change much but they, they'll definitely make adjustments. There's talk that maybe McMahon might come into the full-back line or that they're going to try to deal with the aerial ball. Does that give Terry Highland the opportunity to then throw another curveball? Yeah, like even if McMahon comes into the full back line, they're not going to change the way they play. They're just going to change personnel, and hopefully McMahon will deal with things a bit better. But I think that you know, the the full back that they played the last day, he 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 done all right at yeah, the end of the day. When when you look at um, what actually came off Givney and, and High Balls, it was it was relatively small what came off in the end. Well, having said that, they were both well, the 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 two goals, minus goal. Was a high ball in towards the square that but fell and would you, like that was Garrod flicked that one on, wasn't it? I, I yeah, I didn't. Garrod McKeown flicked it. Came, was coming short. Garrod McKeown flicked. But it again, on. it's 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 the idea of the high ball. Maybe not Givney on that particular, but the high ball did cause problems that Conor Minor got on the end of it goal and the the lobbing ball across by Kieran Brady was high ball again. Now maybe there's arguments I heard on I think it was Sunday game that if the goalkeeper had stayed in his line. Mm given he couldn't have lobbed them the way he did but it's still the aerial threat that Tyrone are afraid of well like the I, I, sorry Mickey I, I don't agree with you Damien like I, the only score that came from a high, from a, a high ball was the second goal every other score seemed, as far as as far as I can remember it every other goal came from uh, running the ball even the goal the third goal Cavan ran the ball fair enough it was a fist pass across the square but it was, but it was a was high fist pass the, the idea yeah, but it was, was a, still that height was, that was a calamitous goalkeeping error no doubt about it what the hell was he doing leaving his line like it was absolutely that was a clanger that wasn't well, that even, what, it, you can't say Cavan carved them open it was an absolute clanger so Michael anyway the result is Cavan take on Tyrone in a replay you have Personal experience, obviously, of this in 2005. Cavan went out against Tyrone, drew the first day. Uh, 
you know, absolutely brilliant performance, but the second day it was a collapse. You know, what what can Cavan learn from maybe 2005? I know Sean Cavan and Shawnee Johnson are the only two players that are overlapping, but there has to be lessons learned even from that experience. Uh, yeah, um, like replays are funny. Like they 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 can take on their own their own life. Um, I I I do remember before that 2005 match, like we'd been working with a sports psychologist and. It was such an emotional sort of game. We were going in. I remember beforehand, the management team got uh, Mick Higgins in to present our jerseys to us. So we stopped off in Ballyhays on the way to Clonus, and we were getting a bit of food. And uh, afterwards, before we left, Mick Higgins came into the room and uh, just stood there and he wished us the best of luck. And then he said to us, he goes, lads, I'd, I'd swap every medal I ever won in football just to see his win today. And like there was a lump in everybody's throat, like, and everybody went up and he, he gave them the jersey. Like the, the the management called out your name. You went up, you got your jersey. Mick Higgins gave it to you and shook your hand. I was like saying, wishing you best of luck, like. And it was just we we got on the bus and it was everybody was just absolutely wired up to 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 the last. And we went out, and we 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 hit the pitch, and I just knew there was a performance coming from us. Throwing weren't going to be prepared for what we were going to throw at them that day, and we absolutely tore into them like dogs. And we, and you know, if we hadn't gone a man down with 25 minutes to go or whatever it was, we, we probably would have won the game. But um, the replay came around the following... Was it played on a Saturday two weeks later, maybe? And um, went up to uh, up to Clonus again. And we went up with a different tactical plan. We were going to play with a sweeper. And they decided that the sweeper was going to come from our our half forward so our half forward came out to, to, to play in our defence but n- Philip Jordan was playing wing back for Throne and no one stepped up to Mark Phillips so the, the, the sensible thing would have been to have the corner forward come out to play half forward and really and truly what probably should have happened we should, probably should have dropped a, a corner forward and played, a, played another defender yeah. Yeah, and th- to come back but th- that didn't quite happen and Philip Jordan had the run of the run of the field, and at halftime, I think we had as many attacks as they had had, and we had four points scored, and we had something like seven or eight wides, and they had three seven scored, and they'd hit one wide, and in fact, they only hit one wide the entire game, and tactically, it was just a complete and utter disaster what we'd done. And Philip Jordan ran through. He scored a goal, I think. He said he won a penalty. Or he set up the penalty that they won. Created overlaps. And he just maintained the whole up the pitch. And uh, we, the, the game was the game was over half time. We were there, whatever it was. We were nine, ten, eleven points down. And the, we went out the second half. They scored the first few points, and that was it. Heads dropped, and thereafter you could just disregard what happened. Like the, the very few lads played in the, for the rest of the game, you know. And so, like, it's very important that you tactically you get your you get your game plan right because, um, you know, if if. The, the players are going up to play Tyrone and they have something that they believe in. They're gonna they're gonna play mm. play well this this replay and I do have confidence that they will they will have something that they're gonna believe in. They're gonna go back and look at the the, the video from from last week and they're gonna see that okay yeah the given thing worked somewhat in that it ter- created confusion but actual scores that Cavan got most of the scores we got were were through a lot of hard running and and they they're gonna need more of that they're gonna need people running without the ball. Uh, because if you're running hard with the ball and you're going into tackles, you're still going to get overturned. It's about running hard without the ball. Supporting the man yeah. on the ball. And in, in particular, getting ahead of the ball. And one or two times, I think it was 
Tyrone didn't really get to set up their mass defence the last day. It was till the 19th minute before, by my recollection, before they actually got to set up with their mass defence, at which point Cavan ended up going laterally across the pitch and recycling the ball. And at, at those moments, you need guys bursting through, picking and choosing the moments, bursting through. And if you don't get the ball, you go in, you know, go all the way and finish out your run and then recycle out. You yourself come back out and just keep movement going the whole way through it. So, like, uh, uh, you know, if I'm a Cavan player and I'm training away these next two weeks and the management team are coming with this tactical plan and saying this is what we're going to do, we've learned what we've done, I don't think there's going to be, you know, any issue here. They're going to go back up there with the mindset that, you know, what they played better than us the last day and we still drew with them. We know that if we can kick on and learn from the last day and we we had more to learn, you know, we're going to be in as healthy position as, as we've ever been for for playing Mickey Hart's team, so I I I think it's a different different la- thing to, to, from two thousand and five. Like two thousand and five, that game took on its own life after after five minutes. Once the tactics went, you know, our tactics were were all over the place. So yeah, I, I think they're going to be in a, g- a good place mentally. They're they're, they're going to be prepared for it, and I I, I think they're going to going to give another good performance. You know, that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's uh, hopefully hopefully they do so anyhow, but. Club V is Cavan's best over 21's entertainment venue. With state-of-the-art lighting and sound system, VIP room with bar, as well as a cocktail bar, outdoor heated and fully seated smoking area, so you can sit, relax and take time to catch up with friends. Club V opens every Saturday night and holiday Sunday at 11pm. To find out more about Club V and our upcoming events, follow us on Twitter or become a fan on Facebook. Club V Virginia at the Riverfront Hotel. Romar Energy offer the best energy solutions for your home and business. We offer A-rated condensing boilers for gas and oil, solar thermal water heating systems and cost-effective systems for generating heat. So if you want us to help you cut your fuel bill by 50%, check out romarenergy.ie. Romar Energy, working towards a greener planet. Okay, so I suppose the only thing that's left to do now is uh, predict the result. It's it's a week out at this stage from the replay, but uh, and a lot can change in a week. But Paul, what do you think? Can Cavan overturn the the mighty Tyrone? No, Damien, I don't. I don't see it. Last week, I I predicted um, a draw, a draw, or or Cavan or Tyrone by a point. I think I said, and uh, I hadn't banked on the fact that between Johnston and McKernan they had scored four fifty three. In, in the nine games coming into it, averaging just over seven points a game. Like if you were to take a money ball approach to it, that's that was they scored one point between them last week. That's six mm-hmm. points that we had to make up. We also got um a couple of lucky goals. I still as I said earlier on, this that Sludden miss, like it was inexcusable. It was un, it was unbelievable. That we shouldn't even be sitting here. Because after all the drama and after all the goals and everything else, he should have popped up all over the bar. And ninety percent of the time, into country football, does that not give you that reason for bar. hope? That no, Tyrone the, the opposite. Because um, you think Tyrone learn from it. Not, if 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 a Tyrone man gets that opportunity, if everything goes the exact same way next Sunday, and a Tyrone man gets that opportunity, by law of averages, who's going to miss a, a shot that scored we'll, ninety? We'll take 90 take it back then. Law of averages that you're saying uh, Johnson and, and Grode were. 
averaging seven points a game. So law of averages is the next day that they're going to bring that back up again. They're not averaging seven points a game against their own. That's the thing. Johnson didn't play the first day in Hilly Park. Sludden isn't scoring three, four points in Ulster Championship. Yeah, yeah, but well, I think you're getting hung up on the sudden thing. I'm just making the point that that's a separate point. Yeah. Sludden, we shouldn't even be sitting here because he should have put that over the bar because 99% of the time in inter football that goes over the bar, but he didn't. But I'm saying that Johnson and, and McKiernan got us promoted because he scored 453 and they were scoring seven points a game for nine games, but they weren't scoring um, against Tyrone. They were scored... Garros got two points from play in, in Crow Park um, he got one point from play in, in Healy Park and Jelly wasn't playing that day so you know our two best attackers aren't, don't seem to be able to find a way to do it against their own and that leaves us a massive deficit to find and if we hadn't hit the net with a couple of lucky goals I felt and an absolute calamity by the goalkeeper at the end I think we would have been out of the Ulster Championship and I just as much as it hurts me to say it I can't see us being five or six points better the next day so on, on that basis I think Tyrone are going to win it unfortunately Mickey, what do you think? This is a controversial one now I, I actually think we will be five or six points better but Will it be enough? Uh, will it be enough? I, I think we could be looking at another draw here believe it or not and it's probably not the popular thing to be saying right now with the fixtures to go in the way they are going but I, I actually think that, that it's going to be it's going well, to be extra close. time Is there extra time? Yeah Okay well I'll say a draw in normal time again. So that that that's what I can see actually happening here. I I I, ju- I just feel that Kavanagh they're, they're slowly climbing up. I'm not saying Tron is their Everest, but I'm saying they're slowly, slowly just ma- making inroads here. And they're, you know, they're, they're have have the performances improved from Healy Park to Crow Park to Clonus by the Cavan um, performances. The performance improved from Healy Park to to Crow Park. Now Cavan came with a different game plan, so it's you're you're not comparing. They, they kind of said, "Well, if we do what we've done the last day in Crow Park, we're still going to lose the game. We can't out Tyrone Tyrone." My my point of view would be, th- they came with better variety, but they didn't have a balance. And I think if they they tipped the scales a bit more towards what got them the scores, and not saying use Givney as a decoy, but effectively, you know, he, there could be an element of decoy about him the, the next day, and and slightly run the ball a bit more. Y- you could see better balance in their game, and that could be enough to get them another five or six points so you know there's all those things they look at the what did they get out of, out of, uh, out of Shawnee Johnson they, very little essentially uh, so they, they might say well maybe we'd be better like as far as I could see he spent nearly his whole time tackling between the two yeah. 45s yeah. So spending his energy in a different e- way exactly so um they could be saying, "Well, let's throw him on after twenty minutes. Maybe not start him." You know, there could be all these little things that be going through their mind that 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 they they might just come and do something again different that Tron won't see. And is there a need? Is there an option for somebody like uh, Jack Brady? The way he come on and can can score half chances, where if the long ball does go into Givney, Givney has somebody just looping and receiving kick, not take a step at all, just receiving kick, a Martin Dunn style. Yeah. Corner forward. Oh, look, there, there is a course, yeah, that, and that was one of the things I think at level at them. That Givney was isolated, ball was going in, and it was breaking left and right, and there was no one there to. to be. Like Givney ended up breaking a lot of ball towards the goals because he he couldn't break it anywhere else. And yeah. there was the one that sticks in my mind that he broke it and he done well to get his hand to it, broke it, and the, the keeper was there. So, you know, he just picked it up on the line. So, um, 
Yeah, so again, that would be it. maybe they might tell Johnson to, to to stay in and work work off him, but maybe someone like Brady could be better suited to doing that, or you know, they, they have they have options. You know, Keaton as well could start this time, just see something different. They they, they have they have yeah. a panel there, and I think I think Calvin will be five or six points better. Whether they'll get three goals, I don't can't see that happening again. But I think they will. They will be five or six points better, and I think we might be looking at l- looking at another draw. If yeah. like we're back it again, back it again. <laughs> did you back it last day? Yeah, right. we did on the morning of actually. I must give what you that one. David put down for me online. So it was f- um, twenty to one, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Fifteen to two. Fifteen to two. Fifteen to two is right. But yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I I think I think for Cavan to win, it's going to take another curveball. You know the, the Killian Clark sort of idea. I don't think obviously you can go with the same curveball, but it's uh, something like that that Tyrone won't be expecting. They'll be looking for, you know, watching the, the long ball and being able to deal with it better. Um, even though I, I take on board the point that it didn't really reap huge rewards, it unsettled them. And Tyrone don't like to be unsettled. And it's only when a team is unsettled that there's an opportunity to to punch. You know, so mm. I thought I thought that it did work, and something like that is going to, if Cavan come up with the right curve ball again, and get two out of the three big players that we mentioned to play better, whether it be Shawnee Johnson coming on as an impact sub and, and latching on two or three points, or Killian Clark, as you say, maybe a wing half forward, a wing half back, or Garode, something like that. Get those two out of those three players to up their performance. I think Cavan can win this game. I, 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 I really hope you're right. I, 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 I think there's far more room for improvement. If you look through Tyrone, Sean Kavanagh is the only player of of note that would be coming out of that game saying, geez, I was well below par there. And that was thanks to Rory Dunn, a brilliant performance by Rory Dunn. Whereas in Cavan, we have the three named players that will be coming off that game saying, you know, I was well below par there, and we know that there's a lot more in them. So I do, I, I, you made the point as well, Mickey, that McEnroe will improve for the game because he was yeah. he hadn't much game time, so yeah. he'll come on as That's, well. That is his first game this year, is it? Did he? It's the first start, yeah. yeah. Well, he probably played in challenge matches over the last few weeks. But yeah, he joined up at the panel late, and you, you you could see his his legs reduced on him after after twelve or fifteen minutes. Like the first opening fifteen minutes, the pace was 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 frenetic. frenetic. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it, we'll take a very quick commercial break. Looking for somewhere for a post-match point to catch up on the crack and discuss the game? Why not call in to Michael Mooney at the Sleeve Ross Bar, College Street in Cavan Town. The Sleeve Ross is famed for its warm, friendly atmosphere and great points. So drop in to Michael and staff today. You won't be disappointed. you need insurance for your business? Why not contact the experts at BBI Ireland and join the winning team situated at Town Hall Street, Cavan. For all your property, farm and business needs, make BBI Ireland your first choice. Log on to bbiireland.ie or contact Anthony Ford or Desi Smith in Cavan on 049 433 1038. 
Delighted to be joined in studio now by Eddie Halligan, who's just completed his Master's in Sports and Exercise Psychology. Um, Eddie, thanks a million for coming in and talking to us on the McAvoy Super Value We Are Calvin podcast. You're welcome, Damien. Um, I suppose, just looking at the, the psychology point of view, there, there are a huge number of things that are going on in, in, in sports psychology, and it's, it's a growing area that mm. people seem to be more open to and, and definitely more willing to, to get involved in team management. Yeah, there is, Damien. I suppose um, if you look across the board, maybe at top level into county teams, um, like the likes of maybe top maybe 16 teams in the country enlist the service of a sports psychologist, um, there's still a lack of um, education around the area with mo- among most managers, coaches. Um, there's still a bit of sort of resistance towards it. Like, you know, we think it's just a quick fix. And um, I don't think people fully understand the, the benefits that... Is is associated with using sports psychology for performance. So, like, if you look at say performance is broken into four key areas. So, it's tactical, technical, physical, and psychological. So, in GEA, you could argue that maybe physical through strength and conditioning, and say tactical, all these systems, your blanket defences, thirty men behind the ball, they are really heavily focused on, and there's very little time devoted to say. Technical, you know, which argued maybe that the skill set of some of the teams, particularly at inter-county level, wouldn't be at high mm-hmm. at high level really. If you cast aside maybe Dublin, Kerry, and likes them teams, um, and definitely there's not enough emphasis placed on 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 psychology simply because there's no. I think there's a lack of knowledge and a lack of education on it because the, so, the benefits associated with it is, is, is huge, massive. The, uh, growing up, I remember my father used to always say when he was coaching all the, all of the teams, the teams I was on, was that 98% of <coughs> football is played in the brain. And Absolutely. The legs are only doing what they're told. Absolutely. You same, know, same in golf, like, you know, it's, it's 90% mental. Same with golf, running, I think that, 90% mental, 10% physical. So it's, it's a bit of an imbalance that we yeah. concentrate so much time on Correct. The systems, the, the strength and conditioning, the, the physical fitness, and not on the mental part of it. Correct. Like I was saying to you earlier, Damien, like you're, just, like you're right, there's so much time devoted to strength and conditioning because there's a culture in the GEA that, so, well, if the likes of Dublin and Kerry and Mayo, Donegal are doing it, well, everybody has to do it. Do you know that kind of thing? So there needs to be, if you want to be strong and fast and powerful, you know, you have to dev- devote a lot of time to it. But if you want to become mentally resilient, you know, tough, able to think clearly under pressure, particularly in big game scenarios, you have to practice at it. There's no point in doing maybe one or two sessions throughout the year or maybe one or two sessions even before the big game because it's just it's something that needs to be developed and learnt over a certain period of time. How do you go about doing that? Well, I mean, there's, there's a number of key strategies. Like, you know, for example, like, you know, so playing out scenarios would be one. Like, you know, so if you're in, under pressure, an under pressure scenario in a game, and maybe that's developed maybe through experience. So you're helping, you're kind of revi- revisiting that and kind of breaking down on what would you do different. So you develop a load of strategies like re- relaxation techniques, self-talk, um, different strategies to help maintain your focus, not dwelling on past mistakes. So, for example, like in that, like say free takers, you know, goalkeepers, full back line, they, to me, would be the three main areas that if they make one mistake, they're going to be tested psychologically because time the next ball they're a bit unsure there's a bit of self-doubt you know what I mean so there's different there's different areas there's different techniques that help improve that like you know if you make a mistake you make a mistake that's it it's it's natural it's human it's human error you forget about it and you move on you know so um, but they need to be implemented say from January, February along with your motivation your desire and and, and different things like that yeah it's 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 something that I suppose 
coaches nowadays have to spend so much time concentrating on so many different af- like facets of, of the game that yeah. maybe the the idea of years ago I'd have always thought like that or, or, or even coached like that that you know you coach on look at it's behind you now next ball correct these sort of things like don't, don't worry about the past but yet it, it's, it's easier said than done and it's also to do with your team as well the culture that you develop you know what I mean like say like you look at all the great teams like say All Blacks even close close at home in Gaelic football um, Dublin maybe Kerry Tyrone and Pomp um, back in the noughties like they developed a winning mindset they do whatever it took to win. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And and they bounce back from up from different setbacks. Um, to find ways that they they just overcome obstacles. They just refuse to be beaten. And it's a great even Manchester United, who I'd be a big fan of, particularly under the Ferguson era. Like you know, they never they just keep going until the ninety third, ninety fourth minute. And when you start, you know, getting a goal in that last minute or whatever, it just develops belief that this you know we can't be beaten here. And if they fail, they kind of come back and say, um, well, okay, this is where we went wrong. This is where we're going to put it right. And then, you know, the desire is still strong to, to prove, say, the doubters wrong, like, because people are quick to doubt. Yeah, God knows they are. <laughs> I suppose bringing it back to, to the game uh, between Cavan and Tyrone, yeah. like, both teams would have been preparing to win the last day. With the draw, how mm. does that affect the, the mental state of, of the teams this coming weekend? Well, I think, Damien, the fact is that they've got two weeks I saw to kind of recover and to maybe um, to replay the match in more detail. Do you know, I think, I think that's a big, big help. It's a big factor as well. I think if the game had been played maybe in six, seven days' time, would it make a bit of a difference? I don't know. But I just think that um, from a Cavan perspective, I think they made, even though there's times that have played very, very well, um, they made a lot of fundamental errors that, that were converted by Throne. I think, now I could be wrong, feel free to correct me on this, but I think Throne kicked 16 points and maybe 6 or 7 points came from our mistakes. You know, we just turned over um, and like, you know, and I'm on with simple errors, like, you know, like picking the ball off the floor, giving, giving the ball, giving the pass into a player that's, that was going to be surrounded, that's going to be easily turned over. Um, so different things like that that need to be revisited. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's going to ha- I think Calvin definitely have more improvement in them. I think Tyrone probably would be kicking themselves a wee bit that they didn't put the game to bed when they had, particularly when, when they look at the stats and say that Calvin were held scoreless. I don't know, was it 24 minutes in the second half or 22 yeah, minutes in the second right. half? They would be really annoyed with themselves. So they'd be kind of saying, look, we need to, didn't we need to kind of rectify that? But basically, back what I was just saying, like, you know what I mean? Um, we need to rectify this and, you know, ram the point home that we, you know, we want to win also the title this I year. S- I suppose it's difficult to, to, to ask the question when, when you're not directly working with yeah. either teams. But we'll say, from a general point of view, <clears throat> Cavan going in as underdogs getting a draw in the end or Tyrone going in as favourites and you know missing the opportunity to win yeah. it out is is one going to be an advantage one scenario as in well, or I think it'll be a more advantage to Tyrone I think because the fact is that they've been there before do you know what I mean that they they, they know what it takes back to yeah, what I was saying earlier they know what it takes to win you know what I mean tight games they, they know um, they know probably they probably learn a lot quicker than, than probably say Cavan because Cavan are like you know they don't be playing teams of, of say, Thrones calibre. So I think what Cavan are just lacking a wee bit, and I hope to prove me wrong on Sunday, is that they're lacking a wee bit of cuteness, lacking just a wee bit of know-how, you know, in different game situations. That's why, 
it kind of worries me a wee bit. They're the amount of easy mistakes that they make. You know, that's probably down to probably just a lack of belief in themselves. Maybe lack of maybe when they're know they're in a winning position, maybe that they can't just remain calm and see the game out. Do you know? But I just think Tyrone are probably in a better placed position than Cavan are. But not to say like I think Cavan will run them very close on Sunday again. Yeah, it's it's uh, if you were and uh, this is obviously hypothetical, but yeah. if you were in uh, a position of doing the. <clears throat> the, the work with the Cavan team or currently working with the Cavan team how mm. would you try to change that mentality or, or what can you what what could be done from a sports psychology point of view to to help prepare the lads for maybe the situations that can arise um jesus good question um i suppose again it goes back Damien i suppose you see there's only Certain certain men you can do in a, in a short in a short space of time. You need to be with them, I'd say, probably the start of the season, and maybe, like I said, just possibly looking back at past game scenarios and maybe how do you react different. Like you know, for example, the National Two um, League final. You know, maybe was there game situations like that 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 the lads have sort of repeated again. You know, in the games in the game last Sunday week. Um, there's a number of players I think that top quality players that just probably didn't. Play their potential on the game, so you probably have a reward with them. You know, asking how they feel. You know, like Groge parent there was man marked, marked out of the game completely. So you need to get his thoughts, his perspective. What, on what it. can happen? What can happen in a situation where a player like Groge or like Shawnee that just didn't get into the game? You know, psychologically, mm. that's that's bound to have been a dent on them. You know, what 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 happens in those moments, or or how can how can they basically? Draw on that to, well, to I mean, improve. I think I think it's um, it's down to their desire. Like I think you know, which I think is fairly strong. But sometimes when you're being man marked, I'm not saying this is the case with the, with the Calvin players. But sometimes when you're man marked, you're man marked heavily. You're, you're getting a lot of attention. Other play, other players, you might retreat back into your shell, into your shell a wee bit, and as a result, then you're kind of you're kind of gone out of the game. The game is bypassing you. So I think that they have to sort of maybe demand the ball a bit more. Um, you know, just you know. Just let them know that you're going to bust the cut for 60, 70 minutes and, you know, this is the reason why you're being man-marked because you're a good player, you're able to influence the game and just, I suppose, extracting that extra maybe 5-10% out of them, do you know what I mean? And just make mm-hmm. them realise how good they are. Like, Roger McCarron has been our best player, I think, this year. Um, you know, and... Like he was fairly quiet last Sunday week, but I I be I be expecting a big game about Groge now this Sunday, and I think that he sort of a point to prove to himself. So I think it's it's all about maybe the warden of how you approach with Groge and, and different players like that. Like. It's it is possibly that in in the scenario where Groge is going out on Sunday or the previous Sunday, where a man is coming up and doing a man marking job that. If he can get into his head, well, that's a positive thing. Yeah. That well, look at all the attention I'm getting here. It's because I'm that good. So yeah, I exactly. need I need to use that and go again and show. Listen, you're here for a reason, and yeah. it's because I'm that good. The, the the man marker surely is going out thinking this boy is that good. I have to do a job on him. So there's there's an advantage for Garod in that situation or Shawnee or whoever yeah, that is some, being some, man marked. But sometimes sometimes like you know again without even knowing. But I I'd say sometimes. Groves might even know that, like you know what I mean. Like when you're, the thing is, is that when when a ma- when a defender sets out to man mark somebody and he's getting very little of the ball, it's fueling their confidence. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He hasn't touched the ball. Like I mean, I don't know what the stats would say about Groves. I don't know how many times he Tur- touched the 13 ball. Thirteen possessions. Thirteen. Yeah. Like, contrast that to during the league, during the league. high twenties, you know even in the thirties. So, that's what I'm saying. Like you know, Groves McKenna is a brilliant player. Brilliant, brilliant player. There's no doubt about it. And 
like I said, I hope he has a good game now on Sunday. But he needs to demand the ball more, and even like you know, just a bit more, bit more cuter on how he handles handles them. Like you know, what I mean, just kind of just let him know, like you know, your man marking me for a reason. You know, I'm yeah. going to show you what. Like not kind of retreating your shallowy bit. Like I'm not saying he is, but. You know, he needs to come out of himself a bit more and just demand the ball. It know? is a very difficult thing to be to have a, a winning mentality without yeah. having won. You know, like yeah. I I've I've read a, a book <clears throat> or two on stuff like this and, and the whole idea is that you're a winner before you ever pick up the cup. You have mm. to believe you're the winner. Yeah. But it's not an easy thing to put into players who haven't won at adult level before. But it's all down to the environment as well. I mean, like it's all about like you know the players you're playing with, you know the, your belief in your players, you know that your teammates, you know the management, different mm-hmm. things like that. So like, it's key. That's where so- sports psychology would come in. Do you know what I mean? If you have a renowned sports psychologist in there with them that knows how to extract the best, like Groge McCarron, like every other player, has done all the strength and conditioning in the world. He knows the tactics. Know everything. It's just getting that extra five ten percent in, and that's where I suppose the perceived benefit of using a sports psychologist would we be, be able to. Extract out of it. Extract, you know, like I said, an extra five ten percent out of performance. Like, and also as well, if you see someone like Croach McKernan, as well, I've seen it so many times throughout the last couple of years, even on the twenty one level, when he is on fire, Cavan on fire. Hmm. Do you know, so he's key. Like he is key among other players as well, but he specifically is key. Yeah, it, it's it's something that has become more and more popular in the last number of years. The sports psychology, maybe down yeah. to Jim McGuinness or That's going right. back, Andy McNulty. Yeah. There, there are a number of of high profile GA personalities who have got involved <laughs> in that. What made you decide you wanted to get involved in that? <laughs> I've always had an interest in. Um, I suppose the mental, the psychological side of 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 sport, you know, like how how, like like I'd be a big fan of boxing, for example. Like I love boxing, and that's all psychological. Okay, do all the training, but when it comes to close to the time, you see people trying to outwit each other, you know, trying to get under the skin of people, like you know, and how people react to it. Like you know, they completely abandon what is supposed to do over a certain thing might have happened or it might have been said around that kind of stuff like you know so I think <clears throat> it's a hugely interesting and fascinating area do you know what I mean and and it, you know just just yeah just like you know between everything else with golf Gaelic soccer you know Alex Ferguson there with, with Manchester United like how he got under the skin of players yeah. or under the skin of other managers and the reaction to it like do you know what I mean yeah. and the devastating effect it could have one of the best examples would be Kevin, Kevin Keegan. Keegan yeah like you know Kevin that's, like, that's psychology people, at its best people seem to think that, that you know, Newcastle was on, on home and dry home and dry home and dry and all of a sudden they completely imploded um, another one is like say Jimmy White like from the, from the snooker like wonderful player you know, <clears throat> and he was it, six world titles mm. or six world finals. Sorry, he and got never, to, lost every single one. Never won. And one in particular, he was fourteen eight up. I don't know what year it was, but um, and he lost ten frames in a row. Just went to pieces. Do you know? So, like, yeah. I mean, that's that's mental toughness or mental lack toughness. of. Yeah, um, lack of correct, but it's lack of Damien, but not knowing what to do when you're in that situation. Yeah. That's what it is, and that's where you need, you know, someone from a mental skills coach point of view to kind of say, right, this is this. This is your tools and strategy you need to do when you find yourself in this situation. What's your opinion? Obviously, <coughs> sports psychologist, you'd have to look at Conor McGregor and and his behaviour in in MMA. You know, he's obviously, well, in my opinion, would be he's well taught out in what he's doing. Yeah. Even though sometimes it appears that he's just a ranting lunatic. Well, he is. I wouldn't be biggest fan now, to be honest. I don't know if the man beside me would agree with me that. Uh, yeah, agree with that either. Paul Dispatch uh, is just in the studio <laughs> as well, so he can weigh in if he if he feels. Um, but I, I find 
the key to McGregor is that he has to fight one before he goes into the octagon, octagon whatever you call it. Um, yeah. You know, he's just out psyching um, his opponent. He's belittling him. He's a bit like, say, a uh, bit like Muhammad Ali when he was in his pomp. Like, you know, he was just, he destroyed him mentally. Like, you know what I mean? And, and there's just a shadow of himself when they get into just everything they've done in lead up to a fight is completely undermined and out the window and all that. And, you know, before you, before you know it, it's all over within a couple it, of rounds. Is it the fact that they're so loud and they're so obnoxious and probably so intimidating, intimidating yeah. that they, the opposition then has so much energy expelled on, I'm going to kill this guy? Yeah, they're wasting their energy. Completely, yeah. as I'm saying, a waste of energy. And after about a couple of rounds, say in boxing again or in in UFC, um, they're spent. They're spent. They get wasted so much. They're just, they're just, they're gone. And they, what's more important is that the 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 guy that's that's feeling it knows it, yeah. and he knows how to exploit it. So it's all down to say, like, how do you deal with that? How do you react to that? Do you know what I mean? And I remember, like, a classic example would be, say, Chris Eubank fought. Steve, Steve Collins. Collins, brilliant, brilliant. Down, down in Middle Street, and yeah. Eubank was raging favourite. Like even though um, I think Collins had a puncher's chance, I think. But what happened was that it was all Eubank. This now, and next thing, Collins started questioning uh, Eubank on his on his on his heritage, like on his on his um, his nationality, saying like you know, I think he was from Senegal or born in Senegal, or whatever. And that enraged Eubank. It absolutely yeah. enraged. And Eubank openly admitted that it took the focus of what he had to do. And placed it on Collins, but he also, also called them by telling them that he that he traumatized and he couldn't feel exactly pain. Quinn, yeah. um, Tony Quinn, Tony Quinn. And he, you reckon he couldn't feel pain, or where he could have, where he couldn't. And he yeah. came in. I remember watching that fight. He came in with a hood over and <laughs> and just walking in as if he was possessed, as if he yeah. didn't hear there was a crowd, as if he didn't know anything was going on around him. It it's, was it's, an it's absolute like brilliant in psychology. Tyson Fury did a similar thing. Like I imagine Eddie that that Tyson Fury, because he's so religious. He convinced himself that God or a higher being had laid it out for him that he was going to win this world title, and he convinced himself that he could not be beaten. Yeah. Like I imagine that that uh, that there was no way that that the, the psychological state that Tyson Fury was in was probably the, the dream state for a psychologist to get someone into because yeah. he had this unwavering belief because he he reckoned that it was this supernatural being had put this into yeah. him that he couldn't lose. Like, and it, it was like self hypnosis nearly. This faith, faith. You see so many successful people that are so religious, but I, I reckon whether you're religious or not, like it's it's almost like a self hypnosis thing. Yeah, but it's also the way he done it, Paul. It's like he completely spooked Klitschko, mm. spooked him. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? And then when Klitschko, about three or four rounds in, thought, oh, just I can't hit this lad. You know, what I mean? he started doubting himself, and the yeah. more he st- and that's and that's what Fury, in my opinion, sensed that he sensed that doubt and knew how to exploit it, and hence that's why he won. And maybe anticipated it as well. It, it, Th- that's it. It though. is very, very it's interesting. All, another thing as well, just not getting off topic, but like I mean, imagery and visualization is huge, huge. Like in, it's probably probably the biggest thing in, in sports psychology right now. You know how you play out in game scenarios, how you play out even in Gaelic in Gaelic football, even just going to the ground. You're going on. You're on the bus. Who you're sitting beside? What you might be chatting? These are little things. Everything just when you start visualizing stuff, and then you're playing out in real time. It just relaxes you and keeps you in focus, keeps you in control of your performance. Paddy O'Shea spoke on the DVD or the TV program when he was manager of Westmead about before he was playing football for Kerry. Before every game, he'd go down onto the beach near Dingle and he'd yeah. walk the beach but visualising every jump, every catch, yeah. every kick, the whole way through. And that was back in the 70s. Yeah. He was doing the likes of that. And he said it, it then when he caught a ball, he, he'd just be so, 
he'd feel so calm mm. over the fact, well, I knew I was going to do that. Right. I, I predicted I was going to do that. Yeah. And that, that gave him inner belief the whole way through. And it's yeah. something, it's, it's probably something psychology has been used for a long time without maybe knowing that it was sports psychology. Yeah, well, a classic example as well of that is the All Blacks. Like, the All Blacks, like, they're a great, great team. But in 2003 and 2007, they were raging hot favourites to win the, the World Cup. Mm. And um, so I think it was them years, yeah. And um, they they just imploded. They absolutely imploded. I remember against France, they completely, like, you know, this is the, probably the, one of the greatest teams, whatever. And they, against France, France just ran at them in the last 10, 15 minutes and then just destroyed them. So they hired a mental skills coach and, like, that played out in-game in scenarios. And it was, I think it was a key moment in one of the World Cup in 2011 where the exact same scenario was about to happen again. They got themselves in the winning position. And then because... They knew how to deal with last time, you know, or deal with this time from from the experience last time. They're able to kind of slow it down, it. calm. They didn't get emotionally involved. They didn't start doing things instinctively. They got, just rationalised the whole thing, played it out, and saw saw it home. And that's that's why saw the different happen. scenario. That's you absolutely know. brilliant. Thanks very much for coming into the McAvoy Super Value Podcast, Eddie. Um, we we'll, we'll have you back again soon. We're going to take a very quick commercial break. After the break, we're going to be talking uh, to Connor Barry ahead of Cavan Ladies Ulster Final against Monaghan this coming Sunday. Kieran Callahan Electrical Limited has been providing a quality service to the industrial, commercial and domestic sectors nationwide since 1996. Reduce your business's energy bill with our energy audit. Or if you need any electrical works carried out, why not contact Kieran Callahan Electrical on 049 433 I'd be joined by Cavan Ladies uh, Senior Manager Connor Barry after an absolutely brilliant victory against Donegal at the weekend, beating them one eight to one nine. Um, very, very testing game again, but the girls' confidence had to shine through to come through such a tough task. Yeah, I suppose a very, very physical game, like an, exactly the kind of preparation we wanted for an Ulster final. A lot of things was, I suppose, last year in the league. We went through the league and people said, you know, we had real, no real opposition. And then when we got to a league semi-final, you know, we fell down. This is the ideal preparation for us as far as a, a championship final goes. Like, you know, so we're delighted to have had such a, such a tight and tough game to get through. And to come out the right sider as well, too, is a, is a huge bonus for the girls. Yeah, nobody gave you a prayer, I know, on, on the online betting. Anyway, it was 1-14 to 14 for Donegal, but you, you had belief, you had confidence yourself. Yeah, we... We had belief from, we'll say, even the the semi final the league game. Like you know, we played very very well, and I don't think the scoreline reflected uh, how close we were to Donegal. Seven points probably flattered them an awful lot. But having said that, you know they came through that game and it probably gave us the desire to get across the line on this game. Like you know, you've you've brought in a huge management team now as well, so it's a very professional setup uh, for the Cavan ladies, which is showing on the field now the way that they're playing. Yeah, I think it, it does take a while to get to senior football. Like you know, I mean. If you look at our our record and up up until now in the Ulster Championship, like you know, we hadn't won a game at senior, and not alone have we not won a game, but we have been well and truly bet in most of the games. Like in, even last year, you know, we went toe to toe with Monaghan for twenty five minutes, and then after that, we just fell by the wayside. Like you know, and it is a step up to senior. It takes a while, and you have to be patient. I suppose um, it's probably the one thing that we've learned out of all of this. But I think we're closer now than we've ever been clo- ever been before, and hopefully now, you know. On Sunday week, the girls can drive on. 
Yeah, looking forward to obviously Monaghan who had a surprise win against Armagh. A lot of people would have expected Armagh to possibly lift the Ulster title this year, but Monaghan, a big, big victory over them. It's going to be a, a Northern Sound derby. It's going to be a real close battle. Yeah, look, Monaghan are, uh, I think they've been in 16 of the last 17 Ulster finals, like, you know, so their pedigree just speaks for themselves, like, you know. Um, it's our first one and. You know, we're not we're we're not just going just to show up, you know. We're going there to put in a serious title ambition, like, you know, for these girls. And they have been years, you know, trying to get to senior and now to get to a, an Ulster Championship senior final, you know, it's a dream for these players, like, you know, and um they're just looking forward to it now at this stage. It's been confirmed for Clonus on the third of July and it's going to be um on ahead of the Cavan Tyrone senior game, so the occasion will be absolutely huge. Yeah, look, I mean, it's a serious chance for, what, 10, 12, 15,000 Cavan people to come in and catch uh, the ladies' game and the men's game. Like, you know, um, you know, it, it, it's it's great to see both Ulster Councils coming together and agreeing on this. It's it's hugely progressive for ladies' football. And for us to have the limelight of such a crowd of possibly 20, 22, 23,000 people watching, you know, the tail end of our game, like, it's it's absolutely brilliant, like, you know, and I just hope that, you know, we give the performance that uh, the spectators show up to see. Yeah, well, the, the Cavan support, no doubt, will go early to clone it. They like a bit of value, so they're getting three games, I think, on that day, so they'll be they'll be out in huge numbers. Uh, the, the Monaghan the Challenge, as you say, last year, beaten convincingly, unfortunately, but the girls were hurting from that. It, it'll make the hunger all that bit more for this year's final. Yeah, I think when we looked at it last year, like, you know, and a couple of players even just, I think, just chatting, you know, after the game, they just felt that the progress we'd made last year and the result, you know, only being two points better from the year before that, you know, they felt that the progress just wasn't reflected on the result on the day. And I suppose last Saturday was a huge indication of the progress that we have made, you know, to progress, you know, to an Ulster senior semi-final, like, you know, to the final like is, is is huge for this team like you know but hopefully now you know we can go one step further like you know and and lift that cup on Sunday week a lot of the girls have the underage pedigree having lifted a lot of underage Ulster titles and gone on further will that stand to them do you think on on Sunday week yeah look i mean senior is a very different ball game altogether but there are girls on that panel who have four or five underage medals all the way up through like you know and i suppose to a certain extent you know they they're unbeaten themselves like so they fear nobody like but then you look at the likes of the senior girls as well too like you know they're not going to fear anybody like we, we've we've eight or nine ten players that have played for Ulster in interprovincial level like you know so you know we're going there like you know we know the quality that we have and we know the desire that we have to get over that line as well too on Sunday week like so we're just hoping that things go our way on the day Absolutely brilliant, Connor. Very best of luck. Thanks for talking to us. So that was Cavan manager uh, Connor Barry ahead of this Sunday's Ulster final clash against Monaghan in St. Chirnus Park in Clonus. Throw in is at 2 o'clock, so please make a big, big effort to get down and support the ladies. It'll be great to see them lifting the Ulster title. I want to thank our contributors on the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast this week. Michael Hannon, of course, the Nutty Professor. Paul Fitzpatrick, the editor, sports editor of the Anglo Celt, and Eddie Halligan who's just finished his Masters in Sports Psychology. Very best of luck to Cavan this coming Sunday, both senior men and ladies. Hopefully we have an Ulster title in the bag and preparing for another Ulster final. Celtic Warrior, crafted pale ale from the Highland Brewing Company. Born of the land in the hills of Breffney, 
Our beer is crafted with our Celtic legacy in mind. Find us on Facebook. Enjoy Celtic Warrior responsibly and visit drinkaware.ie.